Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Rabbi Joshua Heller, Senior Rabbi of Congregation B'nai Torah in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Today we're studying Tractate Tanit, Tetvav, Aleph and Bet, 15a and b. Our Daf today starts a new chapter of the Tractate Ta'anit, and the entire first Amud and part of the second are taken up by a lengthy Mishnah that describes the procedure for public prayer on a fast day that is called for lack of rain. Now, of course, the underlying assumption is that lack of rain is a punishment for sin. So we bring the ark that holds the Torah scrolls out into the street, we put ashes on it, and also we put ashes on the heads of all the dignitaries, leaders of the rabbinic community, as well as all the common folk. There is a senior figure, a zakain, who offers words that press the heart, the Mishnah says, mentioning the repentance of the people of Nineveh in the book of Jonah, noting that it was not their sackcloth, but rather their repentance that undid their punishment. So clearly to bring rain, we must repent. The other thing is that not just anyone leads the service. It should be an elder who is a regular prayer leader. That elder should have children so that he knows mercy and concern. And that elder's house should be empty of food so that we know that he is truly serious about his prayers. Later on, the Gemara will note that, as we saw in the last daf, a leader's dignity is different from that of his followers or the common people. So, for example, having someone else put ashes on your head involves greater humility and distress than doing it yourself. What prayers are recited at this service? Well, the central feature of almost every Jewish service is the Amidah, the standing prayer. Nowadays, the Amidah has 19 blessings. However, we call it the Shmone Esrei because once upon a time, the standard version had 18. So on a fast day, we are told they would add 6 to get to 24 blessings total. What are these extra blessings? Two of them are parallel to two extra blessings that are found in the Rosh Hashanah service, mentioning the Shofar and Zichronot, the Shofar and Remembrance. Now, there is no blessing corresponding to the Rosh Hashanah blessing that remembers God's kingship, Malchliot. The other four of the six are paragraphs from Psalms, Psalm 120, 121, 130, and 102, each rendered into the form of a blessing. It's worth noting that each bracha in its pristine form includes a mention of an important biblical figure or group whose prayer was answered. So we have Abraham at Mount Moriah, the Israelites at the Red Sea, Joshua, Gilgal, Samuel, Elijah, David, and Solomon. And in each case we say, Misha'ana, may the one who answered these great figures of our biblical past, also answer us. Hu ya'anenu. Nowadays, on fast days, we don't add those extra six blessings, but Misha'ana and Hu ya'anenu have stuck with us. Now, a later liturgist collected these seven phrases and others into a piute creatively named Misha'ana with the refrain, Huya'anenu. 
And that piyut, which is mentioning these figures, is actually said as part of the Yom Kippur service. Now, if you are following along in the Gemara itself, you will note that the Mishnah actually ends up talking about six blessings, but then goes on to list seven. That gets us to 25, which is an awful lot of blessings. There are different explanations for the discrepancy, but one of the most likely is that the very first of those quote-unquote blessings is actually just a novel end to one of the standard blessings. Now, the end of the Mishnah looks at the limitations of when fast can be declared based on some unexpected circumstances. One is that in Second Temple times, there was actually a list of very minor festive days, and one was not allowed to fast on those days. We also don't begin a cycle of fasts on a Thursday. Why not? Well, it's actually an economic reason. If people are fasting on Thursday, then Thursday afternoon you see a spike in food purchases because people are going out to buy to prepare for Shabbat, but they are also buying extra food so they can break their fast that night. You'll have a run on the stores, shortages, hoarding, as people come to the conclusion that there is not enough food and the shelves are bare. It's almost like Atlanta when they are predicting a fraction of an inch of snow. On the other hand, if you start the cycle of fasts on a Monday, then people are more prepared and aren't caught by surprise when on Thursday there is a spike in food prices or a drop in availability. The other thing that we learn is that these fasts are almost even override observances like Rosh Hashanah, Hanukkah, or Purim. You would not decree a fast to begin with on these dates. Now, Rabban Gamliel says, if you're already in the pattern, you've already started your pattern of fasts and the flow of a series, you don't stop it. Rabbi Meir says you do stop the pattern, at least by ending the fast early, so as not to run into the holiday or Shabbat. So we've seen today that in ancient times, up to six additional blessings were added to the Amidah, bringing up to a total of 24. Most of those blessings are no longer said, but a remnant of them still exists in the Yom Kippur liturgy. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.